You are listening to audio from Hyde Park Baptist Church in Lumberton, North Carolina. You can join us each Sunday morning at 1045 Eastern Standard Time at hydepark.online.church. Man, I love that song. Don't you love that song? Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Obviously, I'm not Pastor Jeff. Pastor Jeff, as many of you know, had an uh, a outpatient surgical procedure this week. And so his recovery time is not what Jeff wanted his recovery time to be. It's a, it's a little bit longer. I, when he calls me Friday night, he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I didn't think about it till the next morning. I, and maybe he's watching, so he's going to get this. It's, several years ago, Tully and I went backpacking. And after about five or six miles, my hips started giving me a fit. I mean, I just, just pain of popping ibuprofen. And, and about two weeks after that, I had my physical with my doctor. And he said, you've been doing good. I said, yes, I've concerned my arthritis situation. I've said, I've, I've been doing really good. And I said, except for, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we went, we went backpacking, and uh, after a few miles, my hips started killing me. He said, well, have you heard it? I said, well, I, we went skiing back in February, and this was in July. I said, you know, in February, I fell on the ice and skiing. I said, kind of gave me a problem then. He said, well, Nikki, let me tell you something. You've got a syndrome. Your syndrome is A-G-E. So when you hurt something now, it never goes away. I want to tell Jeff, Jeff has a syndrome. And it's A-G-E. When you get past the number, when you get past 5-0, you have a syndrome. And you do not recover after 5-0 like you did when you were at 2-5. So, Jeff, you just hang in there. Let the Lord keep working on your body. And I'm sure you'll be back up here next week. Carol mentioned that she said the real reason that Jeff's not here today is because we met our goal on our shoeboxes. And so if he was here today, he would have had to wear the big shoebox. So he, he's not here today. I didn't know that till a while ago. So that's the reason for the call. But he will be, he, Lord willing, he will be here next week. And uh, I won't be up here. <laughs> We're starting a new series. Um, We're starting the book of Galatians this week. This is a... You know, we're starting in chapter 1, so this is the first, the, the first sermon on that, that book. And, you know, we know that Paul wrote the book of Galatians. Paul, had, on his missionary journeys, on his first missionary journey, he, he went into the southern part of Galatia and, and planted several churches. And so we don't know the exact time, you know, there's... You know how these Bible scholars are. They've got, well, he wrote this letter at this date. And one of them said, well, no, he didn't write a letter at this date. He wrote it up here. And they said, well, some, some of them says, well, he sent this letter to the southern churches that he 
planted, and some folks say, well, no, he didn't send it to those people. They went to the northern churches that, you know, he really didn't plant, but other people planted, and Paul was addressing some things that was going on there. And you know what? It doesn't really matter. It's because the letter ended up in this word for us today. So really it was sent to the church, not just the churches of Galatia. And the title of this series is Faith Alone. Faith Alone. And that's it, y'all. We're going to pray we'll be dismissed. That's all it takes. Paul is saying, you know, we're going to get to this, but it's, it's all about faith. It's grace. Because of faith, because of his love for us. So let's pray. Father, you know that this morning, and, and I'm a little bit more settled now than I was in the first service, so I thank you for that. But Lord, I, I still ask that, that you just bring a calm over me, that I can deliver your word clearly in my own way, but that you use it to edify your people. Because, Father, there's things that we've allowed into our life that trip us up when we look at grace by faith alone. And, Lord, as we look in your word, we pray that it would draw us back to the simple confession of who you are and what you've done in our lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, we, we know that Paul, on his missionary journeys, took the gospel of Christ to, to Asia, Asia Minor, and even all the way to Rome. And the church was being persecuted over and over. You know, even especially in Rome, in the Colosseum, we know that many Christians died there. They, you know, they just turned the lions out on them for a, for a festival. You know, they, they let them be devoured. They burned them at the stake. They did all kinds of things just for show. And the first Roman emperor that became a Christian was Constantine. And when that happened, the world changed. Rome, the city that, that had so you know, marvelously con killed Christians, I mean, in all kinds of ways, now became the city with the most crosses on buildings than any other place in the world. When Constantine beca became a Christian, and Christianity became the religion of the Roman world, but it was because of the gospel. So let's take a look at the first chapter, first ten verses of the book of Galatians. Galatians 1 one, if all those who will and all those who can, please stand at the reading of God's Word. 
Paul, an apostle, not of men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and the God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Or am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You may be seated. For those of you watching online or those some of you that's here that may not know who I am, I forgot to do this early, but my name is Nikki Herring and I'm an elder at our church. And since Jeff couldn't be here, he asked me to, uh, to fill in for him this morning. So As we said earlier, Paul, an apostle of Jesus, one of the things that he started this letter off with is that an apostle. Paul is saying that this is my station in life. Now, we know, most of us know, the back story of Paul. And some may not. Paul, at one time, his name was Saul. And Saul was a Pharisee, which is you know, a high religious teacher and part of the ruling Sanhedrin of the Jews at that time. Paul was a Pharisee and he was destroying the church of God. Now he was destroying the church of God because he thought that that's what God would have him do because he was rooted in the religion of Judaism and, and this sect, that the, as they called it, was perversing their religion. He was saying that Jesus Christ, that these people claim as the Messiah, was not the Messiah. And I'm going to help God stamp it out. That was his calling. He felt that this is what God would have him to do. This is what God would have him to be. He was 
very all pumped up about what God would have him to do. Here's one of these guys that, you know, he said, just go get it. One, one preacher I was watching a few years ago said that God and Jesus were up in heaven and they were talking about the gospel being shared. And God said, you know, those guys that we've, that we've chosen are doing a great job, but I want just a little, I want a little bit more to be happening. And God looked down and he said, we, we need to pick somebody. We need to choose somebody else. We need to pick somebody else. And he looked at Jesus and said, what do you think about him? And Jesus says, that's Saul. He's stamping out the church. He's just crazy. And God said, yeah, but look at him go. Go get him. And what did Jesus do? Now, that was just a side story, but this is the truth. On the road to Damascus, where Saul was going to find the Christians that were there and just stamp them out and bring them back to, to Jerusalem to persecute them, put them in prison, maybe even kill them. He was on his way to Damascus. And we all, most of us know the story of, of Saul's conversion. And I have known that story most of my life. But here's the deal. Until I was studying this week, can you imagine what it was like for Jesus to step into the road and his glory put you to your knees at the conversion of Saul? What if you woke up one morning and you were on your way to fix your coffee in the kitchen and while you were standing there at your Keurig or whatever it is that you're after that the room just lit up and you could feel the presence of Almighty God and you didn't know him. Saul knew about what Jesus said he was but he didn't know Jesus. Can you imagine what that was like to be on that road? There's one guy I've been following. His name is John Lovell. You know, most of you guys, well, some of you guys know that I'm a car guy and I'm a gun guy. And this guy's a ex-army ranger. And and given his testimony in the interview that I was watching, he said that in, in high school he was a wrestler and he was a troubled kid. He was always getting into trouble. And he said they would have probably, they kicked him out of one high school. His mom and daddy put him in a boarding school. And he said they would have probably kicked him out of that except for he was a really good wrestler. And he said he was always able, he, he weighed like 130 pounds, and he was wrestling like at 110 pounds. And he was always able every week to lose that weight, put himself through stress of all kinds just to lose that weight to wrestle at that lighter weight. 
he said, I could handle putting myself through anything. He said, so when I went into the Army, I wanted to be a special forces. He said, I went into the Army, and he said, boot camp was a breeze. He said, because of training that I had, and I always knew that I could put myself through stuff, and he said, he said that the sergeants, he said, you know, their job is intimidation in boot camp. You know, they're going to work you. They're going to push you. They're going to intimidate you. And he said, I could not help it. He said, when they would get in my face, he said, I would smile. He said, I, had, he said, I was really good at doing push-ups because I always had to do push-ups. He said, I got to where when they came into the barracks, I started doing push-ups because I knew I was going to be down there. He said, I became really good. But then he, he moved up into ranger training. When he was young, he went to church with his parents, but his parents really were not religious. They were not saved. And he said, I really had no background of Christianity. But he said it was a three-day period in his life. He said, I knew nothing. But he said, Jesus came to me he said, Jesus accosted me. He said, Jesus broke my heart and tore it to pieces. I died and was born again at the same time. No one led me. No one prayed for me. I didn't know anything about the gospel. I just knew that Jesus revealed himself to me and nailed me down. I said, I read the Bible six times back to back, back to back. He said, I got in ranger school, and he said, I stood up, and I got on my bunk, and said, Bible study at this bunk every night, if you want to hear it. He had no training. He didn't know anything about God. God just came upon him and gripped him. Just think about Saul when presence of almighty God and the glory of the light in his eyes bammed into him. Can you imagine that? Paul says, I'm an apostle because of Jesus Christ. These churches had infiltrators that had come into the church and they were teaching a false doctrine and they were disclaiming, they were trying to discredit Saul and who he was. They said, he can't be an apostle. He didn't walk with Jesus during Jesus' ministry. He can't be an apostle because he didn't see Jesus after his resurrection and before his ascension. He can't be an apostle because he wasn't with Jesus. Paul says, I'm an apostle because Jesus made me an apostle. It didn't come through, not from man nor through man. It didn't, no one laid their hands on me. No one guided me. No one led me. Jesus Christ bammed into me and made me, called me a man of God to deliver the gospel. He's anointed me from Jesus Christ and from God as an apostle. That's who I am. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what it was like? And so these folks that come in behind Paul he found it, he planted these churches and they've come in with a little bit of extra. Let's take a look at it. 
Paul an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present age. present age of evil. Do you reckon the present age of evil was greater then than it is now? The present evil age. As I was studying that, I was thinking every, every pastor that I've read behind, every preacher that I've read behind, from Schofield and, you know, on through the, through the history, is that everybody had an evil age. The age has always been evil. The world, when it fell from the original sin, has always been evil. Everyone's facing Satan, what Satan is doing to this world. And Paul was saying that Jesus gave himself to deliver us from this present evil age. Our present evil age is pretty bad, in my opinion. When you've got God's, God's created order, man and woman, and Satan has confused things to say, man, woman, woman, man, whatever, whatever you want to identify as. God didn't care about how we identified ourselves. Satan has confused the world. He's leading it to a path of destruction. That's his job. I don't get how, well, I do get it because they don't know Christ. And the, and the, the pronoun. Personal pronouns. I don't understand the personal pronouns, do we? She can say that my personal pronouns is he, him. He can say my personal pronouns is she, her. If you identify as a, a cat, I guess your personal pronouns is meow, purr. And the reason I say that is I was preaching on a mission trip up in the mountains this, this summer and it, actually, it was it was a uh, it was a call weekend for a pastor, but since we were there, they let me preach and let him sit. Can you imagine that? But the guy's his wife is a teacher, and she said this year she was going to have a child in her class that identified as a cat. This coming year. And she says, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm not licensed to teach animals. I was just wondering what they were going, what do they feed a person like that when they get to the cafeteria? I mean, do they give them kibbles and bits or, you know, they give them chicken or, you know, whatever the, the meal is for the day. Satan has deceived us. 
Satan is leading the world and always has been. There has always been a present evil age. And it's not going to change until Jesus comes again. And Paul says that he gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this muck that we're living in. The way that Satan is, Satan is ruling and reigning and leading this world. He died for our sins to pull us out of this mess and to live in his grace by faith. So let's go to verse 6. I'm astonished that you so quickly, so quickly, are deserting, or are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. Paul's not saying here that I'm astonished that you're walking away from the teaching that I gave you. He said, I'm astonished that you're walking away from Jesus Christ, from him that gave you his grace and his mercy to save you from this evil age. I'm astonished that you've done that. These leaders had come in and said, it's, yeah, you've accepted Jesus Christ as who Jesus says he is, and we get that, but there's some other things that you need to be doing to prove your salvation. And mainly what they're leading up to is you, you've got to become a Jew. You've got to live by the Jewish law. Men, you've got to be circumcised. Now, as a child, that's one thing, but as a grown man, I bet that's a whole new ball game. You've got to be circumcised. And Paul was saying, listen, if you walk away from grace by faith, then the whole thing is void. If we could, if we could live by the law, then we wouldn't have needed grace. Jesus would not have needed to come for us and die for our sins. We, we don't need to do anything to earn it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. It's by grace, through faith. The faith. The faith is in Jesus. And he says, I'm astonished that you've so quickly turned from him. Faith. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You're so quickly turning from what God has done because he says in the 10th, it says, because with the heart man believes into righteousness and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. 
So they've confessed Jesus by grace, not of works, but yet now somebody's come in and teaching them something different. You know, you can accept by grace, but, the, but for to deserve that grace, you've got to do something. It's like Catholicism. You've got to earn it. Because of this book of Galatians, partly, Martin Luther, a, a monk in a Catholic monastery, he knew that how sinful he was in his own mind. And he would fast. They said he would, he would fast until the point that his, the other monks thought he was going to die. They would have to intervene. He would, he would confess. He would go to his priest and confess for hours and hours. They said sometimes he would confess for six hours. His priest got so fed up with it, he said, Listen, don't come back again unless you've committed adultery or you've killed somebody. I'm tired of it. He felt that he could never do enough to gain enough merit that they seem to think that you've got to have to earn that grace from God. He couldn't do enough to have enough merit to stand before God because he felt he was so sinful. And then one day, God spoke to his heart Scripture that the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous are justified by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not what you can do. You can't do anything to earn it, and you have never done anything to deserve it. Paul is saying, I don't understand how you so quickly are deserting Jesus who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to something different. Is there anything you think you can add to grace that would make a difference in your life as far as the way you walk with Christ? I mean, are you, are you, are you trying to apply anything above the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life? Why would they do this? Well, here's the thing. The people of Galatia were Gauls. They came from France in the 4th century. They came through Rome and sacked Rome. They went into Greece and they conquered Greece. And then they went into Asia Minor. And this, where they're at in this part of the scripture, they're in what is now Turkey. In 189, the Rome, Romans came back and conquered them here, and they became a Roman province. They were able to keep their customs. They were able to keep their language. And Paul went there to witness to them. And here's, here's what Caesar said about the Galatians. He said, the infirmity of the Gauls is that they are fickle in their resolve. They are fond of change, 
and they are not to be trusted. They're also described as one historian says they were frank, they were impetuous, they were impressible, they were eminently intelligent, fond of show, and frequently changing in irregular ways. The fruit of excessive vanity. Now, does that sound like any other civilization that you know? Present evil age is always present. They switched because they were easily led. But we've also got to remember that there was no written word other than the Old Testament. There was nothing about grace written to them other than these letters that Paul was writing. And Paul being the, the apostle that they were attacking, you know, he wrote 13 books out of the 26 books, 27 books, I forgot exactly, of the New Testament. Half the New Testament Paul wrote. And all these things started being delivered. And these guys, they were just fickly led. And he says that you're turning to a different gospel, but there is no other gospel. But there are some that are troubling you. See, these Judaizers is coming in and saying, you've got to follow the law that God gave Moses to be able to earn and be worthy of the grace that God, that Jesus gave you. You've got to earn it. If you're going to live it, you've got to live it by the law. And then Paul says this. There's not another gospel, but there are some that trouble you, trouble you that want to distort the gospel of Christ. I wonder what their motives were. Did they really think that they were part of the church and this is what God would have them to be doing? Could they have been deceived? And Paul says this, but even if we, talking about himself, talking about any of the guys that's with him, but even if we or an angel from heaven, can you imagine that? The angel Gabriel come down this morning as I'm standing here preaching and manifest himself and tell us that what we've got is good but there's one other thing that we need to be doing. An angel the angel Gabriel. Can you imagine the manifestation that he would present here? How easily would we be led? Paul says it doesn't matter if I come back. If, listen, if I change my mind and think that, think that God has given me something else 
and I come back to you and say, hey, the gospel I gave you is good, but there's one other thing. He says, even if that was to happen, if, if I was to come back or an angel was to come and try to give you something above what I've already given you, which the Lord has given me, let him be accursed. Let him be damned. It doesn't matter what the messenger looks like. It doesn't matter. It's the message. You don't judge the message by how great the messenger is. You judge the messenger by is the message that he's bringing true to the word of God. It doesn't matter if it's an angel. If it's not Jesus, it doesn't matter. Paul's saying, I will stand upon what I've already delivered because it came from Jesus. When Paul was converted, he went out in Arabia for two years. Can you imagine what God was giving him in his presence, in his soul as he studied? With all that he knew about the Old Testament prophecies, with all that he knew about what was going to be said about the Messiah, and as God delivered is that Jesus was this Messiah to him, and then he comes back and goes to Jerusalem and said, this is who I am, and this is what God has given me. And he met with Peter for two weeks. And they said, go preach, brother. And Paul said, if I come back with anything other than that, it is not real. That the only thing that's real is we're saved by grace through faith. And then he says, and as I said before, now I'll say again. When Paul crafted this letter to the Galatians, it's different than any other letter. Martin Luther took this book and started the Reformation. He, he nailed his precepts onto the door of the Catholic Church and said, these things that the Catholics believe are not the Word of God. That didn't go over too well for Martin Luther. But our Protestant denomination was founded when he put that nail in that door. And the Reformation was begun. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to do penance. You stand before Almighty God as a child of His when you believe in Him. And you confess and His blood takes care of your sin. As I've said before, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed. When he was crafting this letter, this letter is, is for correction, but it's not correcting a single act. If you look at the, the letter to the Corinthians, there's some stuff going on in their church that needed to be addressed. It's not, a, it's not to a certain person or about a certain person. There's some, there's some names that's being called in some of Paul's letters that they are not living to the code, and he calls them out. It's not in this book. 
this book is so much more really important in that what was happening was threatening the foundations of the gospel. What Jesus Christ would do with it, if it had changed, then it wouldn't be the way, we wouldn't be here the way we are today. But he nailed it down. And through the years, there's been Bible teachers and there's people like Martin Luther that have grabbed hold of what God really intended for the gospel to be. And there's been preachers that have preached it and have delivered millions of people from the arms of Satan and this evil world. This letter doesn't condemn and it's not a letter of correction to a certain person, but it is a letter of correction. He says, grace to you and peace from God. Grace is a Greek peace is, is, is from the Jews. Is, grace is a, a greeting of the Greeks and peace is a greeting of, Jew, of the Jews. And, and if you take a look at that verse, you can't have peace without God's grace. You can't have grace without the gospel. As I was studying this week, and then Jeff called me on, on Friday and says, I ain't going to be able to make it. I'm going to need you to preach. And I said, you know, so we'll see what the Lord can do with it. I kept trying to come up with some way to make this a practical application. But I couldn't really come up with a good hook. You know, I mean, a good illustration or something to lay it down with. Or and then, you know, it just comes up and says, I don't, I don't have to. Because here's the thing. What have you done with God's grace? And what has God's grace done for you? Are you walking and talking it? Are you living and breathing it? Are you doing what the Holy Spirit leads you to do? It's all about His grace. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Hyde Park Baptist Church, please check out our website, hydepark.church, or on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Hyde Park.